It's the Score North Twin Show. Just I mean, beyond dominant, uh, everything working, stuff, um, where he's putting the ball, everything. He maintained all of that throughout the game. Um, you know, tie game, going out there for another inning at the end, looking just as good as he had the entire way. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't even looked at the full line and, and, and uh, what he finished with and all that. I mean, just just great stuff by Pablo today. You know what? The Vikings may have let you down yesterday. They may have disappointed you. But we'll always have a Twins team that we've never lost faith in, not once. Nope. On this show. But certainly not Judd. Pablo. They did, Pablo they did lose yesterday, but it felt like a win because, you know, they still have like a seven and a half game lead in the division, and Pablo is in full postseason form. Game 14 one. strikeouts yesterday. Game one. Starting game Does that one. solidify him for game one for you, Dex? He's definitely crept in the conversation more. I, I think the I wouldn't be shocked now. I when Judd first said it, I was pretty cemented with Sonny Gray as as game one guy. I would bet the money line is more off favorite as Pablo for game one. Yeah. I think those 14 strikeouts were a nice little mm-hmm. little statement for him most as since, we uh, look, look to craft this most thing. Since Francisco Liriano, how long ago did I see? Oh, I, I saw Johan. I thought I saw a note that it was most since Johan in 07 even. Wow. Oh, wow. For, oh, in the Rangers game. Yeah. That was the great, I think that was a Sunday game as well, right? Yeah, where he took himself out. It was, it was a, right. a chance to tie or break the major league record for strikeouts, right? With one inning to go. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and he just kind of waved to the crowd and tipped his cap to Guardy and walked back to the clubhouse. I'm like, all right, I guess he's coming out of the game. How about uh, he feels good. on the other side, back in your old neck of the woods, Phil, George Kirby basically saying, I was at 90 pitches. I shouldn't have even been in the game. I don't know if you guys oh. saw that on Saturday, but I think Sonny Gray and George Kirby would not be uh, the best teammates. Dude, all of the, the old school pitchers, too. Roger Clemens coming out on Twitter, and I get it. That's the way that these pitchers are being brought up now throughout minor league systems that, hey, we're going to keep your pitch count to 90 or below. We've got data that says you're not as strong, but you still can't say that out loud, right? Agreed. You can't. Well, and he Man. was pissed. Like he, he was, was upset. Pissed. And they, he, he said, um, the reporter said, is that talked about? And he said, there will be a discussion about this. Okay, guy. It Calm was down. like really. I, I need, This is the one time where I've needed Jack Morris's take on something. Someone needs to call. This is an easy column for Royce. Call Jack Morris, recite this series of quotes, and just transcribe what he says. Put it in the Star Tribune. And then clean it up. Don't even clean it up. Take just, out the Fs it. and the As and the Ss. I don't think the Star Tribune would allow Patrick to use those words, but my God, Jack Morris would flip. He would flip. I think we might have. Yeah. Uh, nope. Okay. Oh, did we- you? I thought we lost Phil. I thought we lost Phil. No, he was just very still. Yeah, he was just so locked in on this 90-pitch idea. He was just very still. So so the stat stat for Lopez on Sunday, it was the most strikeouts by a Twins pitcher since Liriano struck out 15 in an eight-inning start against the Athletics July 13, 2012. There you go. Okay, that was was one of Liriano's last really hurrahs probably with the Twins at that point. Yeah. Um, by the way, this is the Score North Twin Show, where we just want the Twins to win their first playoff game since the first George W. Bush uh, stint as president. It's been a long time. So uh, we're going to give you our State of the Twins discussion and categories here presented by Modest. So if you have not been to Modest yet, 
man, it is steps away from Target Field and the light rail in the North Loop. The uh, Supra Deluxe Premium Lager has become one of my go-tos this summer. But this is one of the coolest craft breweries in the Twin Cities. It opened in 2016, again, just steps away from Target Field. Uh, the first live twin show we ever did here at Score North during the Bumba Squad season was in the back room at Mata. So uh, we just have a great relationship with them, and we're happy that they're helping power these Monday State of the Twins discussions. Modestbrewing.com to check out what's going on at Modest. So, boys, let's go through the overall snapshot here, and then we'll get into my first category for you guys is, is about Pablo Lopez. So we'll, we'll do a Pablo Lopez discussion for sure. But here's where they're at. 75 and 68, the Twins are going into this week. They are seven and a half games in front of the Guardians. The Twins offense is up to 14th in runs scored per game. So they're now like a, an above-average offense runs scored per game. And the Twins run prevention, so pitching and defense, is fifth in runs allowed per game. So top five run prevention and an above-average offense that's been one of the better offenses in baseball since the All-Star break. So some good things are brewing here. Baseball reference and fan graphs both give the Twins a 99% chance to make the playoffs. And both also give the Twins a 3% chance to win the World Series. If the playoffs started today, the three-seed Twins would play the six-seed Seattle Mariners in a three-game wildcard series where you don't have to worry about George Kirby going deep into a game. (laughs) How would you feel about a three-game series against the Mariners at Target Field right now? Boy, you know what? With with the way that the Twins are going, I mean, the pitching's been good consistently. The bats have really come alive. Um, Seattle now did get incredibly hot and I, and I like them. I think that they're a nice team, but I think it'd be a pre- I think it should be, I should not say, I should not be definitive because it's the twins in the playoffs. And until they break the losing streak, I have to be cautious of how I choose my words. I think it should be a very competitive series. And I like what the twins are throwing out there, at least for the first two games, pitching wise. Um, I also think that with, with the changes in the offense, which I think not coincidentally coincides with the arrival of uh, Royce Lewis coming back from the from the injury he suffered in Baltimore in July, and with some of the youngsters that they have inserted in the lineup, I think it could be a very interesting competitive series. I don't know if I would pick the Twins to win because I feel like that's dangerous. I picked them to beat the Yankees in 2019. I picked them to beat the Astros, who I believe were below 500 in 2020. I was wrong both times. Um, but I like how this Twins team is trending much more than I did, obviously, a month and a half ago. Yeah, it'd be a really fun series. Um, I think it's it's two teams that are stacked up a little differently. I like the Twins' one-two punch in their rotation more than I like Seattle's. Even Seattle still has pretty good pitching as well. Um, I think the Twins should be able to win that series. It'd be a dogfight. They're not going to be completely favorites. I don't expect them to win both games. It probably goes to a three-game series, most likely. But I think that would be a good little playoff test because, number one, Seattle is still a good team. Uh, and it would set you up that, hey, you, you're not just going to cakewalk your way into the ALDS either. You're going to have to beat a pretty good Seattle team. Uh, so I, I think that'd be a blast, man. Just as a baseball fan, I mean, I love playoff baseball. And I think that would be a really, really fun series. Yeah, I think, uh, man, the Mariners, they've been, over the last three months, one of the hotter teams in baseball. A bad time for them. I think they got swept over the weekend. And so now they've kind of, you know, they, they were in first place a week ago and now they're two and a half games out. So they're fighting 
Um, Julio Rodriguez, they've got some really interesting players on that team. It'd be a fun series. It would be very coin flippy. The Twins are currently four games behind the Mariners just record-wise. So here's how the, here's how there's there's four teams that they could face in a wild card series. It's unlikely that it would be um like Twins passing the West Division leader at this point. They are six games back of the Astros to get like to the bye. Um I don't think that's going to happen. So it's either going to be the Astros if they fall out and become a wild card team, the Mariners, the Rangers, or now the Red Hot Blue Jays who've won 8 out of 10 three in a row over the weekend. So it's just, it's, I feel like every Monday we've done this exercise of who would they play right now. It's been a different team, like Mm -hmm. the last three or four weeks. So we'll just have to keep waiting, watching and seeing. Okay. Category number one here, state of the Minnesota twins. It's an ode to Pablo Lopez. So the twins, as you guys remember, traded Luis Arise for Pablo Lopez and Lopez started slowly or he had a couple good starts and then signed the contract or whatever. He had a really bad stretch there for a month or so. But he just rifled off one of the best starts of his career. 14 strikeouts, 8 shutout innings. It was a loss, but it was an amazing pitching performance. This season, Pablo Lopez has a career-best strikeout rate, a career-high after one more start. He'll have a career-high in innings pitched, a career-best strikeout-to-walk ratio, and a career-best wins-above-replacement. He's actually been worth... So he's been worth 4.2 wins-above-replacement. Luis Arise, 3 wins-above-replacement. So he's been a better, more valuable player now that we've allowed Arise to cool off from his uh, flirtation with 400. Mm-hmm. And here's one more nugget for you guys. In in Twins history, only five pitchers have struck out 10 batters per nine innings, starting pitchers, going back to 1961. They've all happened, by the way, in the last 20 years. Johan Santana in 2004. Jake Odorizzi in 2019, Kenta Maeda in the pandemic-shortened 2020 season, and then both Joe Ryan and Pablo Lopez this season are at 10.5 strikeouts per nine innings. So he's uh, he is currently, both those guys are flirting with the all-time Twins record of strikeouts per nine innings pitched. So what do you think? I mean, how confident are you guys here? Because all of this is now about lining up for the playoffs. So how confident are you in him as one of your your two horses here? I'm pretty confident. Uh, the thing I like about Lopez in particular is it feels like he's had a few starts, quite a few starts, where he doesn't have his best stuff. Now, clearly he did against the Mets on Sunday, okay? But when he doesn't have his best stuff of late, the last month, month plus, it feels like he still bulldogs his way through about six and gives up three runs. Um, the thing that concerns me about Gray, and if I don't think this has been as common in his last few starts, but Gray had that stretch where he would have an inning where it would stall out and he would be bad and they would score four runs. A team would score five runs. Um, Lopez has that bulldog, I'm going to get through this. And and like, if you're watching the game, it could feel like, oh my God, he's going to get hammered or he is being hammered. And then you look at the final box score line and it's like six and a third, you know, Five hits, three runs. It it ultimately gives you a chance. And that's what I want. I want a guy who's going to, if he doesn't have his best stuff, and a lot of guys don't on a consistent basis, if he's not going to have his best stuff, I want to to have a chance. Now, previously, I think part of the problem was this. The offense before the All-Star break was terrible. So it's like, okay, if you give up three runs, you're kind of screwed. In in fact, it was probably uh, a lot more of what happened on Sunday 
because the Twins, you know, got this marvelous Lopez performance and and scored zero runs. But yeah. between the fact that Lopez can keep you in games, and I do have faith that this Twins team, knock on wood, because it's the playoffs, uh, can score some runs. That's what I like about him starting game one. I feel he has that mentality and the ability to give you an opportunity. And, you know, obviously in a series like this, game one, because there's, you know, it's two and done, potentially, in a best of three, or best two of three, that gives you a chance. So I feel pretty good about this one. It's weird because both Sonny and Pablo are kind of opposite pitchers in terms of their production of when they can be rattled. So Pablo has run into problems more early in the games. Pablo Lopez's ERA actually in innings four through four through nine is significantly lower than innings one through three. Sonny Gray has allowed like something only like two runs in the first inning throughout all of his starts this year. He's been magnificent in the first few innings. It's when he, to Judd's point, gets into a little bit of a rut, maybe in the fourth, fifth, or sixth, yep. and the wheels can come off the bus. Pablo Lopez, on the other hand, a little bit stronger. As the game goes on, he's actually been a lot better. So it's kind of what, I wouldn't say it's a poison pill, because both these pitches are really good, but it's more of which avenue do you want to take? Do you want to run the risk of Pablo Lopez maybe getting up a bomb early in the lineup in the innings one through two, but then if he's in cruise control, he's good? Or do you want to get yourself a lead early, which Sonny Gray has given you, but then you probably are turning to the bullpen earlier than you would with Pablo Lopez? Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, God, I I was on the Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray should be the number one starter in the playoffs train for a long time here. But the way Lopez has pitched recently, you know, go back to, so he had that nine inning shutout in like early July, uh, July 5th. And then he came out the next game and had a clunker. And since then he has made one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. He's made 10 starts since the clunker after the shutout. Nine of them have been excellent where he's allowed two runs or fewer. Half of them. He's allowed no runs. Uh, The one bad one was against Texas at home on August 24th. It was man. He put uh, 11 base runners on in five innings and it was just kind of a, kind of a grind, but he just feels so dialed in. I love the fact that both those guys can miss bats too. There's been so many times where like, you know, Randy Dobnak at Yankee Stadium, you're just praying that the opposing lineup is going to hit a ball. So like at the second baseman or left fielder, you know, Lopez and Sonny Gray will get you a strikeout in a big moment. So, or they might get you seven or eight strikeouts over five innings. So you're just reducing the amount of times that your fielders can make a mistake and, you know, boot a ball and, and a run score. So, yeah, I don't know. The more, the more this shapes up and and the more you start to get closer and closer to October, and if Joe Ryan can put together some some nice starts too in the in the last month, I really, really like this starting rotation in a playoff series. Doesn't it doesn't Bailey Ober doesn't matter anymore. You know, they he made a triple A start for the first time in a few weeks. Like it's about your three best starting pitchers and your bullpen, which brings us to the second category. I'm going to put you guys on the spot, or just one of you, whoever wants to raise their hand here. So uh, Griffin Jacks gave up a couple runs there in the night yesterday. I want from one of you guys or both you guys right now, your current bullpen confidence rankings. Give me in order, however far down the list you want to go, in order of how confident you mm-hmm. are in, in the Twins relievers. Oh, Dex. And you can you can include, like, if you want to put Ken Tamaeda in the bullpen, Louis Varlin's in the bullpen, you can include those guys. I'm going to. I'm writing down all these names quickly too, to just so I remember, so I know I have yeah. most of them. 
Um, I, I can, and for the audience, while you sort of think about that, I can, I'll just give you the names in any random order yeah. in a hat here yep. that are currently on the active roster. And if you wanted to, like, if, I don't know, if you thought Brock Stewart's coming back or Chris Paddock or whatever, like, you can do whatever you want with these rankings. But you got, uh, you got Duran, you got Pagan, Jax. We got Dallas Keuchel could be moved to the bullpen. Nice little start on Friday night. Yeah. Uh, Josh Winder, Caleb Thielbar, Brent Hedrick, Dylan Floro, Cody Funderburk, and uh, we'll we'll put Louis Varland and Kenta Maeda in the mix because those guys probably aren't going to make a start okay. in the wild card round. All right, uh, I will go with this one completely on the fly. So I'm sure people will at me that you're an idiot for doing all this. So uh, number one, obviously Duran. Duran's your best guy. That's clear. I think no one's going to fight us there. Number two, I'm going to you go with Caleb Thielbar. I oh. thought about Pagan. I thought about Jax, but they're combustible. Thielbar, although a very lights-out lefty guy, I know what I'm getting in that pitcher more than I do with Pagan and Jax, who are more prone, in my opinion, to meltdowns. Mm-hmm. So Thielbar, just in a trust level, I think that's kind of how I'm looking at this, too. Like as, as a trust level... I trust Theobar as the next guy out of that pen. Third for me is Pagan now. Wow. I, I, I really think so. Really? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it to Pagan here. Uh, he has turned things around. The thing that probably scares me, and it reminds me a lot of uh, Pagan. The season Pagan's having reminds me a lot of like a classic Jesse Crane season for the Twins, where Jesse Crane would have like four months of dominance, but he would give up the worst possible long ball in the worst situation. And that feels like Pagan too. So But that's been his career too. He's uh-huh. been better this year. Man, he this is the best he's been with the twins. Yeah. I don't know, like but, it's hard to fight you once you get past Duran, what order you want to put some of these guys in, but I just I don't know that I can trust not, him with Well yeah. But also like I, this guy I'm just gonna say that like he's gonna have to pitch in the playoffs. Like you can't not use him. And he's going to probably come cool. in and, and be uh, come into a high leverage spot. And he's probably going to have to get in out. If you use him correctly, yeah. obviously we've said low leverage. He's really good. But he's probably going to have to come in, in a high leverage situation. The pressure's on, man. you got to get a big out. Uh, real, real quick, one more thing on Pagan. This is insane, okay? So with nobody on base. So when he comes in, starts an inning, and there's nobody on base. Opposing hitters are hitting 137 with a 191 slugging percentage. Do that. This that's this like this season only. Inning. Yep, clean. That's like as dominant as any reliever in baseball when there's nobody on base. But when there's men on base, it goes up to uh, a 500 slugging percentage and a 250 batting average, but the OPS difference is almost 500 points between nobody on base and men on base. So maybe for this purpose, if we, we we're not like we're not like cherry picking splits for these rankings, but if it was to start an inning, I would probably put Pagan even second on this list yeah. behind Duran for this year. But be I, careful how you use him. That's right. Uh, four Griffin Jacks. I'll have Griffin Jacks four there. Five is Louis Varlin. I think there's more for him to ramp up by the season ends, and I think he could even be someone that's maybe third on this list, or maybe even second. I don't know. If he gets right a little bit, it's been a little rickety. hasn't been perfect so far out of him out of the pen, but I like his stuff. I think his stuff plays a lot better as the season goes on, and if he indeed can throw a little harder, I have him higher there. 
Um, Maeda six. I wouldn't fight you if you told me Maeda, who has the playoff experience of him being the swingman out of the bullpen, if you wanted him higher. Totally get that. Uh, Thunderbird seven, and I have Dallas Keiko last. That's kind of how I did this on the fly. Thunderbird so is no interesting. It, oh, yeah. Then Dylan, well, like, I have Dylan Floro as a low leverage back end option. Okay. So, so Floro would be kind of towards. So, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So, nine relievers, three. I think I trust Floro more than Thunderbird because of his inexperience and youth. And, and Floro does have some past experience in playoff situations, but that's splitting hairs. Yeah. What, Jeb, would you do anything? different in these rankings besides splitting hairs with floro who's your who's your who's number two on your list who who are you who's the second most confident this is really t- so so <laughs> let's so, so let's say all hell is breaking loose okay because i'm with you on pagan if he can start the seventh i think that's fine i think but let's say let's say it's uh one out bases Loaded, sunny gray imploding in the seventh. I guess my question is, do I bring Duran in it at that point, depending on the score? Or yes. or or if I don't, who do I bring in? Who do I think can at least give me a chance to work through that mess? Well, some of it depends on like in the scenario you just listed, let's say it's a let's say you're up by a one. Right. I don't. I don't think you would allow Sonny Gray to load the bases in the seventh. But let's just say that like the bases are loaded, and er, almost every reliever is at your disposal. Like you could pretty easily bring in your closer in the highest leverage situation. Mm-hmm. But then who pitches the ninth? I don't know yet. Get through the seventh, out. and then the, and then the eighth, and then if if we need to, yeah, you know, figure it out in the ninth inning, we can. Um. It's really good. I think it's going to be matchups and situations for the reasons we just said. Sure. Pagan to start an inning with a two run lead or something is better than Pagan coming in with one out in the seventh and runners on second and third because he pitches better with nobody on base. You know, and I know that Dylan Floro isn't exactly uh, sparking confidence with you guys, but so he has made with the Twins one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, about 15 appearances. He's allowed a run in two of them. One of them was a five-run implosion against the Brewers on August 22nd. But I, I would actually put Floro a little higher on this list just because of he's been better than people think. He's pitched in big playoff games before. Um, you know, I'm not going to put him in above, like, Duran. I'm not putting him as my second-highest guy. But you're really going to have to hold on for dear life in some of these late-inning playoff situations. It's not going to be comfortable. Let's just get used to it. So let's talk about Jax because Jax is an is an interesting example, and I think that they do trust him a lot. And yes, he did give up uh, two runs in the loss. In fact, he lost the game yesterday. But Griffin Jax, since August the sixteenth, okay, he has pitched um, ten and a third innings, and he has surrendered eleven earned runs in that time. But when you look at it. Uh, he gave up four earned runs against Detroit on August the 16th. He gave up four earned runs against Texas on the 26th of August. And until yesterday, he had not given up a run in the month of September. So I guess my question is this. Like, when you look at that, there still appears to be confidence in, in him. I'm not so sure that he's not going to be higher on this list than we think. 
he's number two on this list for them. That's what I think, too. Yeah. This was just Declan's list. But right. the Twins have Jack's number two, I think, right. right now. Right? Yeah. But I'm saying his recent stats as a whole are not good. But it's a couple of really bad games that drag him down. Yep. He, you, know, you know what you can bank on with him, it seems like? Once every five or six outings, it's a time bomb. You know, so right now, I would actually be pretty comfortable with Griffin Jacks for the next week and a half. <laughs> and then maybe on like September 20th, he gives up a three-run homer in the eighth inning or something. And then you just, hopefully he gives it up on like the Saturday before the playoffs start. So you feel like, okay, he's going into a nice stretch here where he's going to give you His a six purge of consecutive bad, he purges scores. his bad pitching for an outing. Yes. I feel better now. Let's go. Yeah, it's because he has these. He did have like twenty appearances too in the middle of like June and July, where he he didn't allow a run in June. He didn't allow a run until July nineteenth. Yeah. So if all of a sudden, I mean, he literally went from May nineteenth until July nineteenth and did not allow a run. So he's he's got those types of dominant stretches in him too. So if he can give you something close to that, starting in uh, I don't know about two weeks from now. Two and a half weeks. Thank you very much. Then, then you've got your number two guy here behind Durant. Mm-hmm. So, we could we could maybe do this exercise once a week. Where do we feel? Is Varlin climbing up? Did did Chris Paddock come back to unleash Fury? Um, before we get to the immaculate grid here, I have one more category for you. It's a Byron Buxton update from the Star Tribune from Bobby Nightingale. So the Twins and Buxton sat down over the weekend to discuss his immediate future. So what's next for Buxton? What's the next step? Quote from Baldelli. Until he's healthy, nothing. We're just going to keep keep getting him going physically until he's ready to play and get at bats again. When he is ready, we'll get him out there. Baldelli emphasized the tendonitis wasn't a new injury. It wasn't necessarily unexpected either as Buxton prepared to play center field for the first time this year. Quote, this is kind of what we discussed for the last six months in this room, talking about some of the challenges we might deal with after putting him in the outfield. It's more of a volume issue. The pressure and just being on his feet and running around for two hours was not something he was probably able to handle at that point. That doesn't mean he's not going to play for us. We're anticipating him working his way back and taking the field for us before the season ends. Which means he is, if he does return for the playoffs, the DH. Which, again, I don't like gumming that up with one guy. But, look, this is what the Twins, and I think we actually for as much as we and me in particular probably have been super critical of this team, this is what we've talked about in sort of defending them. Byron Buxton went and stood in the outfield for seven innings last month, and he couldn't do it. Yeah, He took a day off, he DH'd the next day, and they, and his knee started to bark. This is what the Twins have been telling us. Like, they have been, um, where he was playing, DHing all the time, was as transparent as you can possibly be. They're literally telling you he can't play, he can't stand in the outfield. Yeah. And and we're all like, well, I mean, you should try it. And so I think the Twins said, okay, we'll try it. And he can't do it. So he's either going to DH or not come back. And I don't know, like the knee could be bad again. I have no idea. But, I mean, this is, uh, to go back to what you said last week, Phil, because it's exactly right. This isn't a question to me of the playoffs. It's not a question of 2023. This is a question of what's next for his career. Because if he can't stand on that knee now, he had surgery last year. What makes us think that it's magically there's going to be something? I mean, my guess is 
long term for his life, he needs a knee replacement. Yeah, it's also just I, I think what's what they have to be careful about here is they've got some good things going. They're playing better than they've played really all season. They've won multiple series in a row. They're they're setting things up for the playoffs. There's been times where even as the DH, like he can't make contact for weeks on end. So how much do they want to try and like how much of their mental bandwidth and their resources and everything do they want to spend trying to shoehorn him back into the lineup? Right. Do we even know that he's going to be an impactful bat? Because to me, I, I I think like Kirilov getting back and Kirilov looking like the old Kirilov and he's getting some at bats now, you know, in this lineup. That to me is going to be more important than Byron Buxton. But I mean, if if Buxton can be around, and I'm not going to devote every single DH slot to him in the playoffs, but if it makes sense against the right pitcher, okay. But if after the first two at bats, it just he just can't do it or he's sore, like I, I don't want this whole Buxton injury saga thing to derail something that looks like it could be interesting in October. I guess and that's by, my point. And the thing too is. Byron Buxton, right now, look, I know that when he connects at certain times, he's got a ton of pop, okay? But, and this is the saddest thing. If you think about this, every one of his real strengths, which was to change the game on the bases, right? Which was to ground the ball to shortstop and miraculously beat that play out. That's all right now probably gone. Yeah. And, and so if you tell me, well, yeah, but if he gets hold of a pitch, hey, that's great. And to your point, if you have if you have evidence that he hammers a certain pitcher and the Twins are going to face that, that guy, knock yourself out and play him. But if this is just like, well, we're paying him a ton and he's Byron Buxton, he has to play, I'm with you. That's folly. One thing that I feel like like the second half has changed, and again, I am going to, my belief is Royce Lewis has changed a has had a huge role in changing this is the feeling of this team is different and it feels more cohesive. It feels like it feels like it's having fun. There was a stretch there where this team felt like it was not having any fun. That's yeah. all changed. And I'm not blaming Byron, but I am blaming circumstances. And I, and I do not want them, you know, because he's Buxton to try and okay, he's back. Can't play center field. He's going to, DH, you have a lot of guys who have, you have plugged into that role who have been productive. So, you know, the Buxton thing is sad. As a player, at his at his best, I think he's absolutely worth the price of admission. But, yeah, if you are going to twist yourself into a pretzel to make sure that he's getting what he wants, that's not going to sit well, I don't think, with a lot of guys in that clubhouse. Yeah, if, if he can be sort of an added bonus and – all right, he's not necessarily integral to postseason success, but hey, if you need a a Kirk Gibson moment at some point, you're going to bring That's him so up, tune, yeah. tune up the band like that. To me, he is a he is a complimentary piece to this thing right now, going forward into October and 2024. So, uh, all right, we have an immaculate grid to get to here in a second, presented by our friends at Finch Home Solutions, Judd. Oh, look at that. Look at that. When you see yeah, when you see that Finch Home Solutions fan Phil, what do you think of? I think of uh meh, meh, that's the exactly meh, 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 noise. Meh, meh. 
That's exactly right. And I, th- and yeah, I think yeah. of electrical problems being solved, most importantly. And that yeah. is that is why Finch can show up at, at your home. And I've been saying this for a while now, but big or small, if you have a house that needs to be rewired, guess what? Finch to the rescue. If you need an outlet installed, Finch is going to fix that as well. Cody and his team do an absolutely fantastic job. There is no job too big or small. Here's the thing, too. They're courteous. They're professional. They're going to tell you straight exactly what needs to be fixed without a bunch of mumbo-jumbo. They are going to get the job done, and they're going to be quick. That is another important thing. Look, Sports Dad has allowed Finch in his house, and if Sports Dad allows that, then you should too because they do a fantastic job. One phone call away, 612-357-2604 or finchhomesolutions.com. Finchhomesolutions.com to the electrical rescue and make sure that you tell them the guy at the the guys at the twin show told you to give them a call. And uh, also the uh, Scorner Twin Show and the Immaculate Grid presented by our friends at Livia here. Uh, it's a good time of year to, to lock it in here and get maybe in the best shape of your life. Drop that weight. Drop that excess weight. Look at the guy on the left. Look at the guy on the right. Yeah, that's the same guy. They're both sports dad, but what's the difference? You're saying, I can't put my finger on it, but the guy on the right looks pretty doggone good, right? Well, that's thanks, as Phil just said to my friends at Livia Weight Control Centers, which has just been named Minnesota's best weight loss program for the third year in a row. So, yes, I am telling you that they do fantastic work, helped me take off 40 pounds a couple of years back, but I'm also telling you that many more agree best weight loss program three consecutive years. And right now, here's the deal three months free. That's right, three months free. Three months for you to get in great shape, to lose weight, and it's free. You're just starting a weight loss journey that I guarantee you is going to work. 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A, Livia.com, L-I-V-E-A.com. Check them out. Sorry, I'm a professional who knows where the on-off button is on my microphone. No, you're muted. Check them out today. (laughs) All right, it's time for the Immaculate Grid Challenge here, where we're going to put seven minutes on the clock. Oh, it's okay. just our own time constraint, so we don't sit here for five hours and no, you know, take up your Judd, time. I knew it. Judd's gonna be pissed about this. Okay, Judd's gonna so Judd's gonna complain about the grid. Judd likes to complain about the things he loves the most. Uh, so here's what we're looking for. We're looking to go nine for nine. It's a tic tac toe board of baseball history. We're looking for a pirate who was once a White Sox, a pirate who was once. Wow, there's actually one guy that I think fits all these. Uh, yeah. A pirate who who uh, was once a national or an expo, and a pirate who was once a royal. We're looking for a White Sox who was a 200 strikeout pitcher, and a White Sox who hit 300 in a season. Wow. Uh, a national or an expo who was a 200 strikeout pitcher and a 300 hitter separately, and then a royal who struck out 200 and also hit 300 separately. I can so tell you. Oh, yeah, Joe, go ahead. How do you feel about this? Go ahead and complain, and then we'll start. I just, I would like a second team up top there, and then one of those two categories left in the third one. That's it. That's all I got. Cool. Sounds good. Go ahead, Dex. I can tell you, there's three former twins for all three of these left squares. Yep. Well, let's start the clock here and see. Let's let's see how far we can go. So, I mean, Justin Morneau, Francisco Liriano. Oh, yeah. Um, Liriano might be more rare than Morneau. But Morno spent the least amount of time with both teams. Like, Lariano was with Pittsburgh for, like, four years. Okay. Yeah, that's true. I feel like Morno, who ended with uh, the White Sox, yeah. only spent... Still regrets it, by the way. Let's do it. 2%. Nice. 
look at him and look how serious he was back then before he worked with Dick Bramer. Super. super. Now he's smiling. <laughs> now, he's, now, he's a goofball. now he's just a broadcaster extraordinaire. All right. How about Matt Caps? Pirates yeah. and Nats. Matt Caps is a good one. 100%. That's got to be 5% or less, right? I would I think, think so, so, yeah. 0.9. Nice. 0.9%, man. Good guy, by the way. Covered him when he was the Twins' closer. Yeah. Dude. And then, uh, yeah, who's the twin for Royal who was a pirate here? Dougie Baseball. Yeah, Mankiewicz played for Dougie both. Mankiewicz, yeah. He ba- he started to bounce around, man. He's a great, immaculate, great guy. He is. 0.6%. Off to a good start here. Oh, we're uh, I see one more. Denard Span. 300 a, average a, with the Nationals. Denard Span, a 300 hitter okay. who played for the okay. Nats. Okay. I know he played for the Nats. You're confidently saying he hit 300 with the Nats. Yes. I'm buying okay. it. I'll buy it. You're super confident, so we'll, yep. we'll trust and you. If I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. buying it. All right. Okay, I had a boy. Wow, Declan on fire. You're this cooking. is this is this is like Michael Jordan uh, against uh-huh. the the Blazers in the first uh-huh. half, where he holds up the you're absolutely does the shrug cooking. Sign. Let's keep going. There might be some other twins here. Eh, maybe not. Three hundred plus season <laughs> for the. So we now we need. Let's go three hundred hit, hitter seasons here. We need literally oh. any Royal uh, or any White Sox that hit three hundred. The killer of the twins, Mike Sweeney. Sweeney. Let's let, let's let's Bank table it. some of these names. Okay. Sweeney. Yeah, with the Royals. It's, Here's um, a question for you. Remember that because I'm looking for obscure here. Do you guys remember that shortstop, that flash in the pan shortstop from like 20 years ago, Angel Barroa? Mm-hmm. He was a rookie of the year. Uh, what about David De Jesus? Didn't that David De, David he was De another Jesus? like random good guy Did in he those hit 300? horrible yep. teams? Pretty sure he hit 300 a couple times. Again, we can throw. We got plenty of time here. Let's yeah. let's. I've got a little list of names here. David uh, DeJesus, DeJesus, Mike Sweeney. I mean, obviously George Brett. Right. Yeah. I mean, we go. And I feel like like Hosmer or, or Moose may have done it. Those are going to be relevant. Hosmer um, Hosmer probably did it. Moose was a more yeah, of Moose a did. How, Hosmer did. Yeah, Moose. Billy but, no Billy Butler. Billy Butler. Oh, Billy Ooh. Breakfast. Billy Butler. Country Breakfast. Country Breakfast. Yeah, that was a great nickname. What about uh, back in the day, Johnny Damon? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. He probably did. Probably did. Yeah, I, I was going to say, because those old school, those really old school Royals teams that like went to the ALCS consistently had some really, beyond Brett, they yeah. had Amos Otis, Frank White, but I don't know that those guys got to three. I'm sure they did. I'm sure some of them did. I don't know which ones. What about White Sox who hit 300? Okay, here's one where there's some old names. Did Napla Joy play for the Cubs or the White Sox or neither? I don't think either. I think he played for the A's and the The A's, right? Was Scott Pesednik, who was their leadoff guy for like those world, was he a 300 hitter? That I don't remember. He scored 60 bases in here one time. I mean, Frank Thomas hit 300. There's there's answers here. Tim Anderson just did it. I'd be high. Yeah. Bill Melton did it. Richie Allen. Richie Allen. Uh, what about uh, Maglio? Because he was with the Sox. Too. Yeah, he was. The Tigers. Her- Harold be an Baines. Old Harold Baines did it. He did it. Did he hit three hundred? I would think so. I mean, he was a that. That's what he was known for. But I've been wrong twice in the last two, two grids. So, well, here's my cu- question to you. I'm inclined. How not much to, do you want to participate in the old school? Are you like gun shy now? Well, I got to be careful. I got to get my mojo back. 
Stella got his group. Back. I need my I need my mojo back. I feel like I feel like when Fonzie stopped being cool for a while, and and he had to take off the uh, jacket, the cool jacket, because he had to get his mojo back. Okay. Well, okay. Let's let's go to the. We got a, a bin of names here for the three hundred. Right. So for for an expo or a national, the strikeout two hundred. I'm thinking. Oh, I mean Pedro Martinez, Randy yes. Johnson. Yes, Randy Johnson. De- it? Dennis would, Martinez. I was going to say Gio Gonzalez. Uh, he had a great run there with them. He even like got Cy Young votes a few times. He almost won one in like 2012. He was he did really good, good, and he would be. He wouldn't be the first beaten path of guys. Yeah. Then, I like uh, I like the Geo one. Okay. I either like Geo or Dennis Martinez, but El Presidente. I'm, right? I'm going to I'm going to be wrong with Declan on this because Geo had and he was an innings guy too. Yep, three three percent. Oh, I can get uh, um, Javier Vasquez with those mid two thousand Sox teams. Yep, he would have also fit. I think he struck out he struck out two hundred with the Expos as well. Yeah, this is where I was wrong with Jim Palmer. Just really really shook me. Two. Oh, we are 2%. on. Yeah, this is great, dudes. Right now. So, Royals who struck out 200. Zach Greinke is the no-brainer. So, we know we can be immaculate here. It's Now it's about rarity score. Oh, God. We got two minutes left. We <laughs> wasted some time. I'm putting stoppage time on the clock. Ooh. Here. All we right. waste a lot of time. So, Royals. Royals Kevin Apier. David Cohn. David Cohn. He had a couple stints with the Royals. He came up with them, and then I think he spent some time with them in one of their good seasons. And Cone, Conehead was a was he a strikeout dude? Did he strike out nobody, a lot? Though? Nobody before 1995 was like a real strikeout dude in terms of yeah, like that's what scares me statistics. That's you what know? scares me with yeah. Cone. We know Grinky. We know Grinky. Yeah, then just do Grinky. But I bet that's gonna. But be it's gonna like kill our rarity. Thousand, like it's gonna be so high. Let's mm. do that one last. Let's do it last. Okay, so here's the options for for the Royals who hit 300. Mm-hmm. Mike Sweeney, David DeJesus, George Brett, Billy Butler, Johnny Damon. We throw those names out, dude. I we're rolling right now. I think we have to. I think we have to try David DeJesus. Okay, Dex. I feel like Judd's shook right now and yeah. almost like doesn't want to participate because no, he's just, failed two times. Well, I, I also don't like this portion, so <laughs> I d- I don't want to be wrong here. All right. David okay, Kirk Cousins. I don't want to be wrong. Oh, point four. Bang! Oh, oh wow. Bang. Let's go. David Tejas. Okay, White Sox who hit 200, who hit 300. The names we've thrown out are Frank Thomas, Harold Baines. <laughs> I think Ray Durham might have done it. Uh, uh, Scott Pitsednik. Ooh, Ray Durham's a good one. What do you want to do here? Pitsednik, I don't remember if he hit 300. He might have, but Ray Durham's not a bad one. Dude, Scott Pitsednik had one huge year with the White Sox, but I don't know if I feel like said, he hit uh, 290 or something. Who was the Hall of Famer? He said Harold Baines, right? Baines, yeah, Baines was a really good power hitter, and I'd have to take Judd's word for it on the 300. What about, yeah, I, I feel like Pitsednik would be good, even like Canerco. That would be high, but like Canerco... Had some huge seasons for them. Big power guy, like a two eighty kind of. Yeah, Maglio was good there before. Like, there's options here. So I guess what do we, what do we want to burn? This is one, by the way. We're gonna, we're not gonna. We know we're immaculate. We're not gonna abide by the time frame anymore. Oh, we've called the time frame off. I like because we know we we know we know we could just plug in Frank Thomas and Granky and be immaculate. So let's try and be rare. 
We, oh, we also have to get going here because Boone's... Yeah, I told him yeah. between 11 and 11.10, 11, so we're, we're, we're okay. okay. Yeah, oh, he's getting so itchy. I, should we try Pesednik? Or would you rather go like Maglio or Conerco? I would say those are probably safer. Yeah, Conerco's going to be hi- be higher, but it's definitely going to keep you immaculate. Where are we at right now? Two, four, uh, five, eight... We're literally like below ten percent rarity score right now. Yeah, I would say either Pitsednik or Durham if we want to if we want to keep pushing down the rarity score path. I think Scotty's our guy. All right, come on. All right, let's do it. Two. Yes! Oh, nice. Two percent, dude. <laughs> let's go. Nice. Holy crap! Holy crap! Holy crap! All right. All right. So now. We need a Royal who struck out 200 in a season, and we know Zach Grinky did it. Who is the uh, the other 90s guy you said? Uh, Kevin. Kevin um, Apier. Apier. Mm. Oh, what about Tim Mark, Belcher? Mark Gubiza. Mark Gubiza. But I don't know. Again, I've I've. Th- this is where I was off the track. A David Cohn. Last week. I don't trust Cohn. This was where, where How much I was would at? Grinky kill this? The Grinky's going to be got, like 60, 70%. It's going to be so high. I'm, I'm fine sacrifice. Like, I'm fine taking a chance here. Cone, so Gubiza. Apier. Who are their starting... What about, like, who are their starting pitchers when they won the World Series? Oh. Um, it was a bullpen. <laughs> it was their incredible know, it was bullpen. The bullpen. Um, Shave their ass. They, and they made a huge... I mean, they traded for Johnny Cueto. Edinson Volquez? Did that they is, have Edinson Volquez? Um, I don't think he got to 200 with them. I think I think we try Apier. That 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 one is the one that I trust. Kevin um, Apier? Okay. Holy cow. He was more of a pitch-to-contact guy, but he threw a lot of innings. Okay. Here we go, boys. Oh, my yeah! God. Oh my god, 18. 18. Yes. Only four. Only four? Only wow. to show who they are. Four. Granky, Apier, Dennis Leonard. Oh, that's old school. And Bob Johnson. Okay. Oh my god. So we were literally choosing between Granky and, and Apier oh or god. a loss. What was yeah, the Apier, I just pulled him up. Apier had that's crazy. 207 strikeouts in 1996. Okay, that's nuts, Kevin man. Apier. That's, Let's go. Wow, that's our greatest performance. That's incredible. That's nuts. <laughs> Amazing, cow. guys. A- an 87% Grinky. Yeah, 87%. That, that would have killed awesome. it. That would have killed it. Amazing. All right, the Immaculate Grid. That's wow. the best we've ever performed wow. on the Immaculate Grid here on the Score on Our Twin Show. There it is. Judd, did that get your confidence back a little bit, or are you still you still shook? I feel like you kind of sat that one out. I feel like you were you were like yeah, Kirk you... Cousins not wanting to throw an interception there. Yeah, no, I was shook after last week. I told you that. Yeah, no, I, okay. de- I definitely shook. Definitely shook. I'm going to have to reevaluate myself. <laughs> okay. Definitely shook. Well, if you guys could give us a five-star rating and a positive review on the Scorner Twin Show Apple Podcast page or Spotify page, you can help us keep spreading the word as we creep toward playoff baseball for the first time in three years. See you guys.